I was like, that could just be the whole sermon. I don't know why I need to come back up here, but no. Friends, let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the gift of learning. We give you thanks for the gift of being transformed. God, speak through these human words that we may encounter you, the living word, the source of all wisdom and delight. Amen. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. Cry out for insight. Raise your voice for understanding and seek it like silver. Search for it as for hidden treasures. You will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. What a promise. The formative adults of my childhood raised me to seek wisdom in all its different ways. The greatest gifts they gave me was a deep sense of being loved and their nurturing of my curiosity. My mother fed my sense of, win of wonder from an early age. She tells a story of taking me around the age of four up to the Hollywood Hills, right by the big sign, to the Griffith Observatory, to learn about space and stand in awe. And as we were going through the exhibits, we started learning about light speed and how things that we see, the stars and galaxies we see in the sky, we're actually seeing in the past. It's like a time machine. It takes the starlight millions and sometimes billions of years to reach us. And my mom was wrapping her head around this, and at, for some reason, at four years old, I decided to start explaining it to her. <laughs> my mom had this moment of realizing, okay, we're going to more museums, and he needs to be around folks that can feed this curiosity. And so her and my uncle, who I called my uncle Mark, her cousin, they created a world where with whatever I was wondering about, whatever my parents couldn't explain, there would be journeys to different museums, or there would be a kit, a science kit, a chemistry kit showing up at the house. There were drums and music lessons, all kinds of things. She taught me very early the power of reference librarians. If you had a question, they were the people to go. And so she would just take me into the public library in Tigard and sit me down and we would ask questions and find books. There were Lego sets and VHSs and there were so many wonders and travels and adventures. And there were family members who told wonderful stories that made us laugh and cry over long meals. I loved to learn and wonder. And that's why it was so surprising when school started to become hard. Looking back, it really shouldn't surprise me because our family is full of people who have had to cry out for insight and raise their voices for understanding. I would learn later that my Uncle Mark, one of the smartest people I have ever known who could build or fix anything, learn any piece of music, that he struggled in school and was dyslexic like I am. He and my mom's entire family, they knew how to encourage and inspire because they had all struggled to learn in different ways. 
but they could show me the joy of seeking to understand, to be curious, to work around the differences in our brains and discover unique possibilities. This incredible gift of tenacious curiosity from my family collided with the structures of education. Like I said earlier, with our children, reading was a mystery I couldn't grasp for years. But in the second grade, I was blessed with a teacher, Mrs. Hughes. And she was also full of curiosity, and she had this disarming combination of humor and warmth that brought children to life. She noticed that I was trying hard to hide not being able to read using social skills with adults and imagination to make up stories for the books I was supposed to be reading. <laughs> she noticed how I tackled math problems, trying to use shapes of numbers to memorize multiplication tables. She was a veteran teacher, and she could see that I needed help. And soon I was enrolled in a program called Chapter One. It was hours of extra work of being pulled out of class I got to work on those old-school Macintosh computers with literacy games, not the Oregon Trail, which was very disappointing to me. <laughs> I learned how to do math in tactile and geometric ways, and looking back now, I am so deeply grateful for those folks who worked so creatively and caringly with me, those special education teachers. But I did not like them. As a child, I despised them. I don't even remember their names, these people who gave me this incredible gift, because I just wanted to be like other children. I didn't want to need special help. I didn't want to be different. After a year, something clicked in this program, and I went to bed one night during the summer between second and third grade, and the next day I could read. And to me, it seemed like some miraculous cure, and now I wouldn't need any extra help ever again. And I didn't realize that for years I would be working longer on homework and projects, that I would be creating my own accommodations to learn. I learned how to get help by being curious and over-the-top excited about school, but I never wanted anyone to think that I was different. I could charm my way around well-meaning adults who knew that there was more to the story if I just stayed just a little bit ahead of them. It took time to realize that this sense inside of me that I had a secret that if anyone really knew I would be taken out of those special classes, the fun ones now, the advanced ones, it could all be taken away, I thought, so I had to make sure that I did well. I got caught a lot of not knowing what was going on in school, and I would hit roadblocks, and my poor mom had to deal with the fallout. Because when I got found out, when I needed extra help, when there was something else going on that was beyond just the normal journey to learning, I would lash out. I would get deeply sad. At one point, I wrote in a journal at school about plans to run away and live in the woods. I was inspired by the stories of Tom Sawyer and of Hatchet. My teacher called. There was one experience in sixth grade where we had to write a, a series of autobiographical stories, and it was my first real experience with procrastination and pulling an all-nighter. <laughs> <laughs> 
when the night before I shared with my mom that this is what needed to happen, in science class I struggled to put together math and biology somehow in my brain. Those two just didn't go together. And I got so mad at this teacher because he couldn't make it make sense to me that I threatened to have my dad come after him. I don't know what I thought my dad was going to do. School is such a central part of our lives and of our society that as when as children we struggle, we can see our value completely through academic achievement. Not learning, not the wonder of gaining wisdom and insight or abilities and skills, but things like grades, what classes or programs or tracks we're in. And this can be really dangerous. Because our education systems are often systems that prioritize certain skills and abilities. And there aren't always the resources for the wide range of gifts and wisdom that people have. Our teachers are incredible people, but they have limited time. And sometimes with people who learn differently, they can slip through the cracks. There are a variety of skills, but there are always students like myself who can resent needing extra help, who can feel that something is wrong with them because it's not the normal or the standard. That sense of not belonging is so striking when we look at the number of people who are diagnosed with dyslexia when they are in prison, a very common experience. Children cry out for insight, but sometimes the way we raise our voices for understanding is less about finding hidden treasures and more trying to hide our uniqueness. And that's part of what makes the book of Proverbs such a gift in our scriptures. We don't often get to delve into this fascinating text. Maybe you've come across Proverbs when you've seen a greeting card with a reference to it, or one of those cheesy quote boards at Home Goods or Hobby Lobby with something, and you'll see Proverbs there. Maybe you've heard or read snippets, but it's usually the short sayings, that collection in this book. But there are other parts as well. There are addresses from three very unique individuals in this book. There's a father, and a mother, and a woman named Wisdom. She is personified Wisdom, and in this book she is a sacred figure. A woman who God brings forth before the foundation of the world, and is part of creating all that is. And she, along with mom and dad in the book of Proverbs, are calling to a young person to seek a good life in pursuit of her. This morning's reading comes from the dad figure, showing God's desire for us to be wise and just. For the Lord gives wisdom, he says, from God's mouth comes knowledge and understanding. God stores up sound wisdom for the walk upright. Seek wisdom. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. Every good path for wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant for, to your soul. Prudence will watch over you, and understanding will guard you. 
It's more than just a desire to accomplish things. It is a future parent when this father is gone. Wisdom opens us to living lives of integrity, to seek justice and equity, peace and flourishing for all of creation and our neighbors. My years in kindergarten through 12th grade were full of struggles and triumphs. I excelled and then would hit walls where my learning differences brought me to my knees. But finally in college, thanks to a very annoyed Spanish teacher, I was finally diagnosed with dyslexia and having attention deficits. And these labels that I had been afraid of for so long, they were the most freeing thing I had ever received. Because I discovered resources for accommodations that made higher education possible for me. And even more importantly, I found a community of educators and students who were pursuing educational justice and accessibility. They ended up hiring me to work for student support services in college, and I got to be an intern studying education and volunteering with youth and children to help build accommodation skills. But most importantly, I expanded my mind in meeting these people. They taught me about how learning wasn't about grades or degrees or academic achievement. It was about insight and human flourishing and wisdom. I discovered a new sense of awe for trades and crafts, art and music, agriculture and mechanics, physical intelligence and social and interpersonal skills. I saw the world in a new way. And my understanding of God's holy wisdom grew, along with my respect for educators. I still struggle in a lot of ways. Writing takes a lot out of me. I am grateful every time I put together a bulletin for Patrice and Joyce. Thank God for them, because you would not be able to read most of what I turn in without them. Email is the bane of my existence because I get lost in the words, but there are so many sources of freedom I found as well in storytelling and planning experiences and creating spaces. I avoid and struggle with administrative tasks and paperwork, spreadsheets and budgets, but at the same time, I can dream and plan in other ways. I continue to learn how to ask for help and rely on the beautiful diversity of community, of other people's gifts and skills. And those people who are organized and have everything in its place, you are a gift from God for people like me. I see in our diversity of wisdom, God in everyone and everything. And sure, we can use insight unwisely. There are still moral choices that we have to make. We can take advantage of one another and of creation, but I see God in learning and the gifts of how our bodies and brains work in whole new ways. When I think about my struggles with learning and the gift of wisdom in our world, I often come to a poem by St. Catherine. It's written in the 1300s. It's in one of my favorite collections of poetry, Love Poems from God. And she is described in this way. St. Catherine was profoundly interested in every human being 
that ever came before her. She devoted herself to relieving the mental and emotional suffering of the hundreds who sought her out. Her words and her touch bestowed a soothing grace. Doesn't she sound like a teacher? She wrote once, strange that so much suffering is caused because of the misunderstanding of God's true nature. God's heart is more gentle than the virgin's first kiss upon the Christ. And God's forgiveness to all, to any thought or act, is more certain than our own being. She wrote this poem, Wherever You May Look. And to me, it has always sounded like it could fit right in the book Proverbs. She writes, Wisdom is so kind and wise that wherever you may look, you can learn something about God. Why not the omnipresent teach that way? Friends, as we go into the school year, whatever our age or stage or whatever it is that we are learning, may you go knowing that wisdom waits for you and that in all of it, God is there and you are loved exactly for who you are and who you are becoming. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.